Welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. This is your host, Scott Wilson. Dave Armstrong, welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. Thank you very much. Mate, it's great to have you here. Hey, look, we've known each other for a while. I think we met when you were at the BNZ. Yep. And what were you doing then? Uh, business banking, basically. Business, business so, banking. Now, your accent tells a different story. So where where originally is your lineage from? Uh, so I'm from North Highlands of Scotland. North so, Highlands of Scotland? Yeah, yeah. So it's a wee town in the, <clears throat> the very north of Scotland called Wick, which comes from the Viking word Vic, which means the bay, because, uh, yeah, we were basically invaded by the Vikings, hence the blonde hair, blue eyes, and yeah, love yeah. Red, red meat and good beer. So. And whiskey. And whiskey, yeah. What, what's absolutely. your favourite whiskey? I get asked that every time. Um, <laughs> I don't really have a favourite. The one that's... You like them all? Uh, well, there's some that I'm not a fan of, but uh, I think the one that's most... Uh, whiskey's a bit selling a story half the time, right? Yeah, I used, totally. to, I used to sell whiskey for a living, and the one yeah, that yeah. I always sold the most of was the one from my hometown, because I grew up down the road from the distillery, yeah. so I was able to sell it by the case, almost. What was it? Old Pulteney. Oh, oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the one that's got the uh, fishing yeah. boat because yeah. my um, my hometown uh, was the busiest fishing port in Europe at one point. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, the silver and gold came from Wick. The silver was the fish, and the gold was the whiskey. Nice. So, yeah, we called them the silver darlings. That was the the fish that was caught, but um, we overfished it, and so yeah. yeah, there's no more fishing. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the whiskey still there? Yep, whiskey uh, uh, opened back up in the 1990s. Um, and uh, oh. yeah, the the seven the twenty one year old sorry about oh nine ten years ago won the best whiskey in the world really yep nice. yeah, yeah so it's good so what's it? old Putney old Pulteney yeah Pulteney so Pulteney Town is a part of Wick yep. so there's Wick and Pulteney Town Pulteney Town is kind of like the newer it's kind of like the Rolleston right it's kind of yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the newer one that came along brilliant yeah. and and so what do you like about it just the story like or is it actually well, a good whiskey? I mean well, it is a good whiskey so yeah it's yeah. a nice sweet easy going whiskey so yep. if you're new to whiskey it's yep. a great one. Because it's got that little bit of a sweeter, easier one. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I grew up down the road from it. It's my hometown. Yeah, my yeah. Linear edge, so, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's uh, you know, I've, I've met the, the distillery yeah. master. And, you know, I've got some fond memories being there at 10 o'clock in the morning, which <laughs> won't go into today. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn selling whiskey? What did I learn selling yeah, whiskey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a story, right? So, yeah. like, the product is good. But yeah. it's it was the story that I took. Because I used to go into so much detail. Like, this whiskey's got, you know, yeah. this flavor profile. And it's made from... But people were just getting a bit confused with it. But yeah. then when I started telling the story of the place that it came from... Yeah. Um, and New Zealand's quite a good place to sell whiskey because there's a... Especially the South Island, there's a very strong linkage back to Scotland. Yes, yes. So all I would do is go, okay, what's your, what's your surname? Ah, Right, you come from the lowlands, Achintoshin. Or you could go, <laughs> you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from yeah, Spain. Yeah. Right, well, this was the, you know, this was the whiskey of your region. How you, yeah, that's so, good, right? And it didn't matter what it tasted no. like. They were just, yep, that's, yeah. my, that's yeah, my, that's whiskey. my whiskey. That's my whiskey. That's my whiskey. Perfect. So, so you're telling a story and getting people to own indirectly their... Yep, their, their, their personable. It yeah. was there, because for them, that was the... The special thing about it because it is it's a special you buy a bottle of whiskey it's more special than buying a bottle of wine it's yeah. more special than buying a case of beer yeah um and it's, there's something about it that you know most whiskies are 12 years old yeah um, so there's something about it you think it took 12 years to make that mm. you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's quite a special and the whole process that goes into it and the people and the place it came from yeah. and that it can link back to the lineage and um i think also as uh it's going to be the whiskey podcast after yes yeah. i was going to th- we could stop the marketing right now. <laughs> We're just to talk about whiskey, yeah. <laughs> so uh, whiskey's like a time capsule as well. So yeah. as soon as you take it out of the wood and put it into a bottle, mm. um, it stops aging. Yes. Whereas wine continues, continues to age, age and yeah. whiskey doesn't. So like, I always remember one of my favorite tastings was we, we somehow got this bottle. It was just a cheap blend from 1944. Oh, wow. And so we opened it as our appetizer, I guess. And um, yeah, it was an average whiskey, but it was cool because when I was thinking about it and I was like, this is what the guys in the trenches were looking yeah, drinking yeah. in 1944, and it's yeah. no different what it was in 1944. Yeah, that's so, so cool, right? Yeah, so that's that's kind of the when you realise that, and you sort of go, actually, I'm drinking something that was made, mm. you know, yeah, 50 plus years years ago, ago. and it and it, the the, the flavour of it will still be the, the same. exact same whiskey that they yeah. were drinking in the trenches. Yeah, wow. So yeah, it's quite a. That's how you used to sell it as the story. Yeah, so. because I want to go out and buy that whiskey now. You do. Yeah. I can't remember the name <laughs> of it, unfortunately. Well, no, um, I want to buy the one from your own hometown. Oh, well, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I love it when people give you whiskey too. I've been given yeah. some amazing whiskeys over the years, and some of them 
you know, just beautiful tasting. And from a person that didn't like whiskey to liking whiskey, yeah. Yeah, it was a real cool journey. One thing I, you know, like you could stop the podcast here with regards to marketing because the key to good marketing also is telling a story, right? Mm. And letting people in and letting, letting people believe. Loads of businesses don't do that, right? <laughs> They're trying to sell their features. They're trying to sell all about them versus, you know, focusing on, hey, what's in it for the person? How are you going to get them to relate to what you have and, and what you offer them, right? Yep. And, and yeah, so, so hey, great start to the podcast. Yeah, There'll be only more gems coming up. The Whiskey Podcast. The Whiskey coming, Podcast. Coming this year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, you know, corporate world, right? So, you, you, you where were you working with Whiskey? You were selling, was that down at Whiskey Galore? Yep. Were you selling there? Yeah, That's nice. it. Nice. So, then you decide to get into banking. Yep. Um, and completely different, right? From, yep. from you, now you're moving into the corporate world, right? Mm. And was that always a projection for you? Is that where you wanted to go to? Or you yep. fell into that? No? No, so... My life completely turned when I met my wife. So yep. obviously Scotland. Yep. My goal in my entire life when I was in uh, high school was to be a police officer. That's oh, wow. what I always wanted to be. I wanted to get, be a detective. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, my dream. Um, Scotland Yard. Something like that. That's in London, but yeah. Yeah. Um, ironically. Uh, <laughs> but met, my, met this beautiful Kiwi girl. Yep. Chased her to the other side of the world. Oh, Ch- wow. Kind of changes your plans because, yeah, yeah. you know, you have to go through this whole residency process. And yeah. And so that's why I decided to sell whiskey when I came over here because I was like, okay. well, I need to do something while I'm going through this process. Yep. And so, you know, I like whiskey and there was by chance whiskey shop. And it, nice. turns, it turns out that uh, the owner of the whiskey shop was friends with my wife's uncle and it's Christchurch, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, I did that. And then once my residency came through, I absolutely loved that job. Yeah. I, st- I still refer it as my best job I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, it was like, well, well why, why did you like that job though? Why was it? Oh, it was the, just the people yeah. and the culture, and yeah. it was fun, right? It yeah. was a fun job, and it was something you were passionate about. Yeah. I worked for Bond and Born, which I'm dating myself, which is like no Lemmings, right? Yeah, and they have now. But it was that was what I, I really loved that job. I turned up. I'm selling TVs, washing machines and stuff, but it was the people, right? That, yeah. The, yeah, it was really cool. Retail, being around people, everything was, was new every day, right? Like, yeah. You, yeah, so that's cool. But then it came to the point where it was like, I got my residency, I wanted to marry this girl, and mm. we want to have a family and all this yeah. kind of stuff. So it was like, right, I need to... Um, I just I needed to do something that I could, and I don't have a degree or any yep. apprenticeship or anything like that. Yep. So it was like, right, I need to do something that I can progress and go up the corporate yep. ladder. And so I went home one day and said to my wife, I'm going to be a banker. <laughs> and so I did it. Um, so I started off. And, and the thoughts there was like you just, that's, you needed to uh, progress. And you I, did, I did a brief stint in recruitment after yep. the whiskey shop. And yep. my client was Westpac. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was purely, I went, mm, I'm not enjoying this recruitment stuff, but... Uh, Oh, these bankers get paid, all right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and did you like numbers and that sort of stuff as well? Like, was there? I didn't think I did. Yeah. Because uh, I hate I failed math in school. Yeah. Um, but I was like, well, you know. Like, so I got the job in the bank. Amazingly, um, I had to sell a pen. That's how I got the job. No so, way. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I, get out of town. No, I'm. This was before I saw that movie. So I was at Blackberry Cafe. I was with the regional business manager, uh, good guy Richard, and. Um, yeah. Yeah, because he, he, at that point in time, banks were allowed to sell products, right? Yeah. Um, and so they were like, well, we need people with some sales abilities yeah, yeah. through channels. He's like, I hear you know how to sell. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's Brilliant. like, okay, sell me this pen. So I sold him the pen. And What did you say? Do you remember? Oh, I think I started going through, <laughs> why do you need this pen? And what yeah. are you looking for? And this oh, pen, wow. blah, blah, blah. And then, again, trying to find out why they needed it. Um, got a job in the bank. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, went home that night, bought a book Still got it. It's called How to Read a Balance Sheet. Oh, wow. And uh, taught myself accounting. Really? Yeah. So self-taught. Yeah. And so then, yeah, it took a while. Um, About nine months of hard, hard work. Uh, And then, yeah, just six and a half years later, uh, yeah, did the bank, yeah. So, so uh, that's extraordinary as well, though, right? Like, I think, um, you know, my business, I'm the only one with no degree. Uh, I felt English, well, not, not so much English, but definitely maths at school, but I know... I know numbers, right? And and I know the numbers that count. I don't know algebra, uh, or any all that sort of stuff. But I know my business numbers mm. and, and and marketing numbers and stuff. Was that for you one of those things that you just you just committed to learning as well? Like you, I think it kind of it's one of these things, right? When you're older, you start learning more about yourself. And I yeah. think why I didn't do well in school was that I I learned things from breaking it and fixing it. Yes, that's my kind of yeah. mindset. Um, so it's kind of hard when you're in that traditional school setting where. <clears throat> it's X equals Y, yeah. you know, and it's like, yeah, there's, yeah, if it's wrong, to, it's wrong. Yeah, you wouldn't let it break stuff at school. Yeah, that's it's kind it. of seen as a failure, right? We're in the, yeah. in the real world. You break stuff all the break time. Break stuff all the time, right? So then when I sort of realized that 
basically math is just problem solving. Yeah. It just, yeah, and once I sort of clipped that and you've sort of learned the fundamentals of it, it was like, actually, no, nah, this is pretty straightforward, you know? Yeah. Balance sheet has to balance, you know? And, and so, so, so you've, read, you've read the book, you've got some real expertise going. Um, did you start to see that you, you could sell the products inside the bank too? Like, was that were a real opportunity for you? As- yeah, again, it just came back to understanding what it was they were trying to achieve. Yeah. And then yeah. you just, the product had to suit their needs. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So you were dealing with um, small to medium-sized businesses in the bank? Yeah, so my first couple of years, I dealt with uh, businesses under a million turnover. Yeah. Um, so I was on a... I was in a role where I would get a phone call or a video call from anywhere in the country and I had to make a split decision whether we were going to do the deal or not. Oh, really? Um, which was wow. hard work. And then if it was outside your authority, you had to put a paper up to credit and all this kind of stuff. That was really tough because you had to learn everything about this person in a 20-minute yeah. phone call. So so what? Well, how did you do that? How did you learn like that and, and so quickly? Was it just good questioning? Good questioning and a lot of Googling. So oh, really? I, I had three screens and so I'd be on the phone and I would be asking some key questions and then I would be bringing up their account. I'd be looking through their account transactions. I'd yep. be Googling their business. I'd be everything to try and form a picture yep. uh, in, my, in my head of is this... Because uh, the, the fundamental, and this is one thing that... Um, this is my sales pitch to clients as well, is that I think the banks have forgotten that my mentor taught me yeah. is that we don't fund businesses. We back people in people. business. Nice. And so it was like... You've got the numbers are the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's, uh, you know, what's around those numbers? Yeah. You know, it's how, why is it that, why is it that way happening? Is yeah. it because this person actually can't do it? You yeah. Know, or is it that they haven't got the right product to do it or they've yeah. got the right, they don't have the right people around them? Or nice. What, what's the underlying person that we're backing? Yeah. Here? So when you're Googling, what were you looking for? Were you looking for... Oh, um, just red flags. So, you know, like if they've been... Like really bad reviews or... Uh, Oh, maybe a little bit of that. Sometimes, yeah, Google reviews sometimes will tell you a little bit about the business. I'm always a, take them with a grain mm. of salt because it just takes one bad experience yeah. to tarnish them. Um, but I'd be looking, you know, at court, court stuff, right? So, you know, have they been dragged uh, yeah. through the courts and there yeah. any disputes going on? Or yeah. yeah. Is there any, you know, anything nasty happening in there? Wow. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you looked oh, at that Oh, yeah, sort no, of they stuff. do. So, um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to actually have a. Um, Oh, I'll probably talk about it, it doesn't matter now, but there was an onboarding checklist you had yep. to even bring on a new client and one thing was you had to screenshot um, Google resorts. Wow. Yeah, so because that went to every new client of a certain level, yeah. went to an uh, area in the bank that um, had to get sign-off yep. from a risk, yep. kind of not a credit risk, but from yep. an overall, do they know something? Yeah. Because it's New Zealand, right? Do they know something about this person that um, we can't find? Yeah. Because, yeah. Interesting. And so what sort of money were those sort of businesses looking at to, to borrow? Most of those businesses, because it was under a million turnover, yep. you're talking a couple hundred thousand, yep. maybe 50 grand, a lot of 50 grand overdrafts yep. and that kind of thing. Yep. So I did that for four years and then I moved into, uh, sorry, I did that two years and I moved into a same level of business, but on the road, finding new clients, um, which is part, I think, at the start of when you yeah. met me. And then after that, I moved into medium enterprise businesses with sort of anywhere from one to 20 million turnover, most yeah. of them in that one to five million space. Did you find like the businesses, uh, as the they got bigger, they just had better business problems? You know, what was the, when it came to funding and that sort of stuff, or were they the same sort of problems? Same, same things, right? Same yeah. things, just yeah. at a different level? It just, yeah, it's just, it's, I'm dealing with one, even now I'm dealing with one business that's about 25 million yep. turnover, and they're still going, why have we got no money? Yeah. And it's like because you've got 2.7 million owing to you. That's yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. So getting the money yeah. in. <laughs> so, you know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's the same, yeah. you know, like the, it's the exact same model for every business, right? Mm. It's the same issues, same cash flow drivers, same yeah. day to day challenges. It's just different complexities as the business gets bigger because you've usually got more staff. You've yeah. got, you know, like that business I'm talking about, they got like 70 odd staff. Yeah. So, you know, there's a whole, but then because you've got that size of business, you can delegate that down to an HR person. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's actually harder at the small business end because you're yeah. wearing all 10 hats. Yeah, you're doing everything, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so some of those common things that you're finding, obviously, you know, um, creditors, people, you know, debtors and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And and also, did with with... Did you deal with like when you as you moved up? Obviously, you know, at that lower end, you're, you're dealing with the business owner. Were you still dealing with the business owner at those medium to, to yeah. larger? Yeah, right. yeah. Ninety-seven percent of all business in this country is a small to medium. Yeah, 
So, yeah, so true. So really, your your top three percent are your your Ryman's and Air New Zealand's yeah. where you're dealing with that institutional level. Yeah, you know. So what were some of the biggest learnings for you? You know, in in that banking space for, when dealing with people there. What were you, what were some of the biggest takeaways for you? I like what you and your mentor have just just said. Mm. You know, um, you, you know, you're backing people because that's essentially what you are doing. Mm. The business is people. At, at that's the end it. Of the day. Oh, that's it exactly. Like, would you back? Um, who are you going to back to take it to Mars? Is it going to be Bill Gates or Elon Musk? Yeah. Both yeah. very good people, good businesses, but yeah. who's crazier to be able to do it? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. The kind of, that's the kind of thing you got to think about, right? Yeah. Uh, learnings are oh, lots and lots, but I think the biggest one I learned was that human beings will offload their stress on you. Okay. And there is no stress worse than financial stress. Yes. And so they, and it's not, it's just in their nature. It's this whole flight or fight. Thing, yeah. right? And it's um, they will get into flight mode mm. or they will get into fight mode even when mm. you're trying to help them. You know? yeah. So you've got to be able to learn to not take it personally and realize yeah. that this person is just under a bit of stress here yeah. and that my job is to actually just first of all help them calm yeah. down yeah. and then think rationally yeah. and then we can work towards a solution. Yeah. So that was once I figured that out, my job became a lot easier. Yeah, because stress is a, is a financial stress is a Huge. massive one for a lot of businesses. Oh, it's what ruins businesses. Yeah. It ruins marriages. It, uh, yeah. it you know, unfortunately, in some instances, takes people's lives. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, Do you think it's just because you know, and like money's not really taught at schools, and a lot of people aren't taught how to use money. Do you think that's that's a big part of it? Like you know, because you can you can make a lot of money, but you can also spend a lot of money. Mm. It can go through your hands. You know, I remember one of my first businesses. I, I looked at it, um, and then I got this bill, and it said I had to pay this tax and GST yeah. steeple and I was yeah. like, well, "What the hell is that?" Like yeah, you know, right. and and you know, years later you learn, and now. It's because of those learnings and those hard times that you learn that you, you've actually got to use the money. You've got to distribute it into certain accounts and, and let it flow in and out and, and, and manage it. And I think you know, that was never taught to me. You know, I had to learn that one by reading a book that's over there you know, mm-hmm. and then starting asking some better questions of people. You know, Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a real it's, it's a hard one now because that's the kind of conversations that are going on all the time. What yeah. should we be teaching our kids? I've got three kids yeah. myself, two of them in school. And uh, yeah, like what are we teaching them? You yeah, know, math wise and this kind of stuff. But it's yeah, I think there should be something around money management. But it is sort of something like you're never going to stop an eighteen year old going to the pub. You know, you know, it's the problem, <laughs> right? Is that it's kind of one of those things where you can take the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. And I think it is one of those things where some people are naturally good with their money, yeah, yeah. and some people. But like from a business perspective, yeah. As I say, because it's not as straightforward when you're on a salary, it's money in, yeah. and that's it. Like, yeah, you're, true. You're the same pay every fortnight. Yeah. But as you know, when you're a business, yeah. it's like, and then all of a sudden, like you say, you get a GST bill, yeah, and you yeah. get a provisional tax bill, yeah. and you're going... 15th of January. Yeah. <laughs> tax pooling, I recommend yeah. it. Um, and then you go, what do I do with it? How do I manage yeah. this? And God, how am I going? And then you've got to try and grow the business, and then as the business grows... More cash gets tied mm. up, and so that's why a lot of businesses, I think, it just yeah. gets too hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a real balancing act, right? It's not, and it's definitely not for everyone. So in the BNZ, you started, and this is one of the things we started talking about. You started doing these LinkedIn locals. Mm. And what, why, why was that? Why did you start? Um, you know, I guess one thing doing that because obviously you were on LinkedIn mm-hmm. uh, and you started to see some of the things there. Why did you put that all together? Uh, so we'll go back to why I went on LinkedIn. Yeah. So as I said, I did couple of years on that phone roll and then I all of a sudden got a role where I was on the road having to find new business. Yep. And so the bulk of my job became networking. Yeah. My wife had her first child at that point and I was not able to be out every night networking. Yeah, yeah true. So it was how do I one, you know, look after my child and network at the same time. Yeah. And then LinkedIn. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to the cows come home about how good it is. Yeah, yeah. Because fundamentally, it is the only professional networking site in the world. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Any white collar professional yeah. or CEO is on LinkedIn. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I could network on my phone on the couch with my newborn asleep on me. Yeah. So I started building, good. Yeah. So I started building up the LinkedIn stuff mm. and. Um, you know, start following people like Rebecca Hollis, for example, and yeah. went to one of his things and he talked about personal branding and how you can mm. build up your LinkedIn stuff. Um, and then as I progressed through and started getting results off it, and then LinkedIn local thing was kind of this global yeah, was, movement that came about. And it was like, hmm, well, that could be a good idea. Why yeah, not? Yeah. And so, yeah, we I pitched it uh, to my boss and said, yeah. can I do this? Yeah. And they said, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, okay, as long as it doesn't cost us anything. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you know, don't do anything that's going to 
give us any professional yeah. damage. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I um, went out, found my own sponsors, raised the money that was needed to run this event, and yeah, we put out a post on LinkedIn and 300 people turned yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good. Yeah, it was the, I think it's the biggest one we've had in Christchurch. Yeah. It was one of the biggest ones at the time in the country. Oh. And so it was, good. It was a good event. It was good fun. I think because there was a lot of people there too were on LinkedIn and they were just curious about, you know, but for a lot of people, it's funny that they've actually never met the person and it will met in person, right? Yeah. So this gave the ability to take that, that, uh, that online, offline as such in a, in a real risk free environment. Um, and yeah, like definitely, it's funny now, like I'm listening just to some Gary V stuff that he's been talking about at the end of this year. And he's really saying how LinkedIn is going to be the place for mm. next year. And I'm like, wow, we've been here for like how long? Yeah. But, but it still amazes me. You know, some clients we meet aren't even on Facebook yet, you know? Mm. So like it just shows you how, you know, even though some of these platforms are mature, they're not actually, they don't actually have everyone, right? And it probably depends on your business. So like yeah. I've done the, I went through the whole thing with my company, you know, I set up a Facebook page yeah. and um, I tried Twitter and uh, LinkedIn by far gets the best results. Yeah. And then, you know, I think it depends on, you know, whereas like on LinkedIn, yes, there's company pages, but I don't think they do no. that well. Whereas no. like on Facebook, the company pages yeah. tend to do all yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so like you say, I think it depends on the type of business, yeah. depends on what platform you go yeah. on, you know? like the, the, the hard part, I think, for LinkedIn, <clears throat> and you probably would have experienced this, is, you know, you got to, you've got to do the work on LinkedIn, right? Mm. You can't, you know, you, you can't just, it's not like other platforms where you can pay to advertise. No. Well, you can pay to advertise, but it's just, it's clunky and it's expensive. And yeah. I think if they ever worked that out, that would be huge. a game changer. Oh, if you could promote your, per, like, because I think the personal the, brand. Yeah, the personal brand on it. That, I don't know why they haven't done no. that because no, it no. is just purely, you can advertise your company page. Yeah. Yeah. No one really does no, that. No, 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 no. And if you could advertise your own personal brand. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, so, okay. So, you know, LinkedIn local, um, was that, was that good for your business though? Like obviously it was good maybe even for your brand inside the bank. Yep. Because obviously more and yeah. more people started to see what was going on there, right? Yeah. So in the bank, I got an award. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 We had this thing called Chevron. So I got a Chevron award from my work on LinkedIn and then yeah. I ended up uh, being assigned one of the social media managers in the bank because I started getting too much attention on LinkedIn. Um, and how did they, did they like that or was it? Was no, they that, liked it. It yeah, was good. absolutely fine. Yeah. So the social media team loved it because yeah. then we put a program together to help other bankers build out with LinkedIn. Yeah, nice. Um, and then, you know, I started generating business yeah. as well. So I was bringing in these new clients through LinkedIn. So, yeah. Uh, definitely. How good is that? Yeah, it was good. And then, yeah, I would literally be, I remember sitting down with a new client, really good client, still a client today with the bank. Um, and me and my boss sitting down having a coffee with them and Robert Harris. And the first thing he says to me, uh, me and my boss sitting right there was, I follow your stuff on LinkedIn. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. How good. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing better, right? Yeah. And you can just see the light bulb moment in the boss. Go, yeah. Oh, I get uh, it. I get it now. Yeah. yeah. Because because a lot of that in that corporate space, you know, they weren't doing any of that, right? Like, And, and the cool part there is, what do I say to people too? Like, there's people that... that you know, there's quality people and quantity people. They're both the same kind of person that you'd want to do business with. But some people have to see a lot of your stuff to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And some people just need to see one or two things, right? So so the quality person sees one or two things. The quantity person needs to see a lot of stuff. But it amazes me, especially on LinkedIn, how many people are watching. Mm-hmm. How many people won't comment yeah. or say anything. And then you'll meet them at an event, and they'll go, "Hey, I really like your yeah. videos." We we'll call really them the like workers. This. Yeah, and and can we do business together? Yeah, you know, and, and that that to me, like I remember when I first someone said that to me, I was like, "Oh wow," you know, there's you don't actually have to worry about because a lot of people, especially on like the, the Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, it's all about the ego, right? Mm. And I found what I loved about LinkedIn, you don't have to have that ego and still generate business, mm. you know? You can put, be putting out content and someone will DM you and go, hey, can we catch up? Yeah. You know, never post on your anything, never say anything. And generally they are the big hitters mm. too, the people that can't afford to see. Yeah, well, I, I probably get one to three leads a week Yeah, on LinkedIn now through, again, personal messaging so like i picked up one of my biggest clients this year from it how good so what are some of your tips for marketing on linkedin then uh like you say it's content based right so and you know there was this hashtag that was going around saying you know keep linkedin professional it's not personal but at the end of the day we're all people yeah so i always put a bit of that if you've ever followed my posts i kind of put a little bit i've started putting a little bit more of a personal spin into it and um and and the data proves it that they are the 
impress, get the highest impressions out yeah. of everything. But I try and always keep it like I'm not putting pictures of my bloody cat up there. No, unless it's you know unless, unless it's funny. Yeah, yeah but even That's then you've got to be a bit careful. But it is more kind of. Uh, you got to be consistent as well, right? So yeah. you know, I try and do one to two posts a week. Yeah, you know, so nice. I was at one stage doing one a day, um, but you know, it's just it got to that stage though that I got enough reach and following that by doing one or two posts yeah. a week, it's still getting the results I need because then I can actually take my time to think about what we're going to talk about. That would be interesting that people nice. would actually like to you know engage with. Yeah, um, the latest one that I'm going to work on next year, LinkedIn, you're like this being the marketing guy, I did not know this until someone pointed it out to me, but the LinkedIn newsletter that you mm. can write for your company page yeah. that can be shared on your personal page, if you have followers on LinkedIn and they subscribe to that, when you release that newsletter, it goes to their email, email address. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. And so I was like, because I got something like four or 5,000 followers yeah. or something like that. And so I was like, all of a sudden, I've got a database potentially of 5,000 people. Yeah. yeah. Whereas um, I've got my own newsletter I do, mm. um, which I started doing this year because someone yeah. talked me into it. Yeah, some good stuff on it too. Oh, that's one of the best things I've done this yeah. year. It, every every single month it generates business. Yeah. Um, and it's free. Yeah. You know? Yeah, good. And then, but it's, you know, I've, it's a quality one, right? So I yeah. only have about 1,000 people on that one, right? Yeah. Because there's a chunk of that newsletter that is, you know, Professionals that I deal with, some clients that I deal with, and then a big investor database yeah. that I deal with, and like vetted investors that yeah. you know actually are active and actually have the means to invest, and you know not a waste of time because you see yeah. all these uh, adverts out there in my industry, you know, like we got thirty five thousand people on our database. Well, yeah, what, yeah you know, no, what do you do? No. You know, uh, yeah. I'd rather have a thousand good people. You know? yeah. yeah, I always say like, uh, uh, you know, this struck me when I was on actually on LinkedIn, like the depth of. And this is what something I also learned from going to uh, LinkedIn Local. The depth of connection is better than the width of connection, right? Mm. And, I'd, and you're right, I'd rather have a thousand people in my database that I have a kind of a depth of relationship with than, than having 35 and no one knowing me, you know, or, or no real connection, right? Yep. What's the point, right? You, one, it's, it just costs you money and you're never going to generate what, money from it. One of the best stories I've seen, and it's a person in Auckland, and she is a wealth advisor um, for one of the big wealth management firms. And the way her story goes is that her and her friends were drinking wine one night and they dared her to reach out to Warren Buffett. Lo and behold, she ended up having a phone call with him. Oh, wow. So through LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, You know, how many yeah. people can say they've had a phone call oh, with Warren Buffett? Yeah. You know? That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And little old New Zealand. And know? I think that's the, that's the coolest thing I think I like about LinkedIn too is you can reach people, right? Yeah. I call it the warm call. You know, it's like the warm cold call. You know, you can actually get in front of people. The best thing about it is you can add value to them first. Mm. You can comment on their posts. You can comment on, uh, have an opinion on, on some of the things that they're talking about. All of a sudden, you get in front of them and they see that you've got an opinion and, and then they check you out. Mm. And then all of a sudden, hey, hey, should we crash up for coffee? Yep. And I really like that because you 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 couldn't do that before, right? Yep. Um, and like you said, LinkedIn I'll actually show you who's looked at your profile. Yeah. Crazy. Which is very powerful <laughs> because you can all of a sudden get a gauge of yeah. why has someone clicked on my profile yeah. from something that I posted. And like yeah. you know, for my ones that you know, the CEOs there, yeah, whoever it might yeah. be. Yeah, I like looking at that data too. You know, yeah. who who are who are the people that are actually looking at your content. So you can then tailor some of the content yeah. that's coming out. Hey, you know, top five investing things uh, tips for CEOs in 2024, you know, like, yeah, yeah that kind you know, of stuff. Um, that's cool. So, so obviously, you know, continuing to post on LinkedIn today and, and keeping up that consistency. I think consistency is key. Yeah. I always say to people, if you're going to, if you're not going to be consistent with your marketing, don't start. Mm-hmm. Like, you better not to do anything, right? Like it's just, just, oh, I learned that this year. I tried the whole paid marketing thing on mm. Facebook ads and pfft, didn't work for me. Yeah. But yeah. I wasn't consistent either. So yeah. Yeah. maybe I didn't give it long enough. Maybe yeah. I was doing the wrong median. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's like you say, if you don't, it's never going to, you can't just do it once. No, no. I always say consistency message plus frequency reach to create relevancy. Relevancy is the hard part because it's the part you have to wait for mm-hmm. because of quality and quantity. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, and but also some platforms perform better for some industries. Yeah. So that's a skill as well, to know what platform, you know, is, is going to be there. Yeah. Um, and, and always building up your, your newsletter. Hey, so interesting stuff. So uh, you finish... You, you're working with the bank, you've grown LinkedIn local, yep. you've won an award, uh, things are looking good. Why then leave? And, and like, did you not see that the ladder to keep climbing or did you always well, want to start your own thing? 
in the, well, in the in the corporate world, um, doesn't matter which industry, you can either go up the ladder or you can go sideways and yeah. specialise. Yeah. I didn't want to go up the ladder because to go up the ladder would go into people management and it's just that's never interesting to me. Yep. I've never wanted to I enjoy the thrill, the chase too yep. much. Nice. So you could go into specialization. Um reason I left was I got approached um by another business yep. to be offered to come in as a shareholder yep. um with a match my salary. And so nice. it's a case of, well, this is an opportunity to go self employed. Yeah, yeah. Um with little downside. Yeah. Uh, so I'll you know, if I'm, I'm at the time I was still in my uh where old was I? I can't remember. I think it was still in my twenties. Yep. So I was like, let's do this. Yeah. You know? Um convince my wife. <laughs> she was pregnant with her third child, that was a good idea. <laughs> We did it, um, and then yeah, that's how that happened. But then within six months of that doing that work, um, I realized the uh, business I was working with I didn't like that industry. Yeah. So it was in the accounting industry, and I realized that not for me selling yeah. GST returns, it's selling annual accounts. Yeah. <laughs> does not interest me whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. But then what came out of that was that um, my old clients came back to me, and I kept getting as always I was getting referred new clients, and they all has had this underlying need of we want to do something. But it's outside the box. Can you help us get the funding? Oh wow! Can you help us find? And then it moved into. Do you know any investors? Yep. And so it sort of made me look at the, the industry and market and go, okay, why does this gap exist? Why am mm. I constantly every day getting asked by people? And um, can you help me find this? Can you do this? And I realised that there was a huge gap in the market between VC and PE. And so, so just just maybe yeah. explain a wee bit about that for people. You know, we, so, yeah. we deal a lot here. Well, listeners here, a uh, lot of lot of small to medium sized business owners. You know, yeah. so they'd love to know a bit more about this. Cause yeah. So there's two ways to grow a business with capital: mm. debt and equity. Yeah. Right. Simple as that. Um, VC venture capital mm. is you know their business model is invest into high growth businesses. Yeah. So let's put. You know, but you got to be careful because you're putting rocket fuel on a car. Yeah. So you got to make sure that you can actually navigate and steer that. Yeah. And you know, the business model is we invest in ten companies, a couple will fail, some will do all right, and then one of them will be the, the, the uni- I hate this term, yeah. but the unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where they make their return for yeah. businesses. Yeah. Um, so there's that side of the market which is relatively well looked after, and yep. then you go right down this end of the spectrum to private equity. Yep. And private equity is your established business owners. Uh, you know, might be turning over 50 mil or whatever it might be, um, sometimes less adopted parent pens, and they're typically getting checks of anywhere from 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, and it's kind of that the lever do through mergers acquisitions, which yep. is kind of like those big company roll-ups, yep. um, or the private equity firm will come in, help them grow even bigger towards a public listing. Nice. So there's that side of the market. But again, there was this huge gap in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these businesses kind of needing a couple of million in funding, and, you know, traditionally, the only place that could do that would be debt funding, which yep. was predominantly the Bank, banks. Banks. But banks lend on cash flow. So for businesses that were, you know, unprofitable or, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, and then the banks timed up, there was a whole bunch of stuff, COVID hit, and it was a mess, right? Yeah. So there was this massive gap in the market. And so with that, it's like, well, there must be an opportunity. Mm. And so, yeah, I... Um, Studied corporate finance at night um, with my newborn daughter on me. Um, taught myself all that, that nice. I needed to know around stocks and bonds and value in companies yep. and everything like that. Yep. Um, and so then, yeah, went out of the market and started building up a database. And um, hence, uh, Newbrook was born. And so, what were you looking to offer? What was your what was your pitch to that to that gap in the market? Take me a long time <laughs> to figure that out because I was kind of figuring it out as I go along. But <laughs> the underlying thing was you needed money, and then I realised I started getting brought in for consulting and expertise on how to structure transactions as yeah, well. Nice. And so then I realised actually my business wasn't just brokering; it yeah. was around transactions. And so it's taken me five years, but yeah, I finally yeah. figured out what Newbrook is. And yeah. Newbrook is complex transactions made easy. Nice. So a company will come to me because they're either needing cash to grow yep. or they've had a hiccup. So I had a yep. few of those come through COVID obviously yep. where you know, we had some restructure stuff, get some money back into the business. Yep. Um, or it just might be something that's actually really bloody complicated that they need someone to be able to manage it. So, yeah. you know. So question there is, so a business looking to grow, um, or because you've got two scenarios, it could, a business looking to grow, when should they contact you? Like when is the sweet spot for them getting involved in your world? Oh, I'm happy to chat to anyone at any stage. Yep. Typically, businesses I deal with have got at least a million turnover. Yeah. Just because of, I've, I've still got to make a living as well. Yeah. So, you know, how my business model works is we charge consulting fee and then a yep. success fee. Um, and because of the quantum of what you need to bring in, 
um, I sort of typically start raising money from 500k plus. Yep. So the businesses that need like 50k, yeah. probably I used to do that. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the capacity yeah. anymore. I'm yeah. still happy to pass them on. And I've got some people I deal with that I'm happy to yeah. handshake them over to. So a business looking to grow, they've done some projections and they're going, yeah. hey, okay, you know, now we want to get some funding. We yeah. want to get some decent funding. So if I look at the transactions I've done this year, it's been, a lot of them have been, we want to buy that business. Okay. So either because we've got an existing business and we think that's a really good fit. Yeah. How do we do that? So then I'll help manage that whole process. Yeah, yeah. Um, to help and then raise the funding needed to buy that business. Yep. Um, or it might be we've got a good business, but we're in a little bit of financial difficulty here. Yep. Can you help us understand why yep. and fix it? Cool. So I do that. Um, yeah, yeah, I've nice. got to be careful with those ones because yeah, there's a lot yeah. of reputational yeah. um, personal brand risk that yep. comes with that if I cock it up. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I'm very careful of that. Or it might be, um, it might be more of a equity type one, right? So, uh, you know, like we actually want to find some private investors to come into our company and help it grow. Yeah. And so that's the other side. Nice. Yeah. And again, I have to be very selective with which ones I take on because yeah. that is by far the hardest thing to do because yep. that's a six to twelve month process. Yeah. To find investors, you know. And to find the right investors, right? To find the right investors, and I've seen lots of horror stories of. Yeah. Not having the right investor. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen businesses that get the wrong investors and nice people, yep. but but the business wanted to grow and the investors didn't understand the market. Yeah. So they they you know, pulled the handbrake back. Yeah. And then another competitor came in with the right investors and let the handbrake off, and market share just went. Yeah, exactly. Away. And that's where I say you know like with if you go down the VC road, be very careful because. Yep. A VC's job is to put rocket fuel in a car. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. that's the that's the thing. Can you handle that? Yeah. Because it is rapid, fast growth, mm. and because they're coming in early, you're giving up big chunks of your company, yeah. so you don't have control. Yeah. Um. So you gotta be very careful. Whereas, like you say, if you're bringing in, like I syndicate a lot of investors. So mm-hmm. what I do there is I'll take lot, a couple of little littler investors that yep. go, yeah, we're keen, but I'm not wanting to put in 500k. Yeah. I'll put in. 50 grand or 100 grand, yep. you know, and you syndicate it under what we call an SPV, yep. special purpose vehicle, which is just a company, shell company, basically. Yep. Um, and we invest it that way. And nice. so that way it's good because... And does that investor have any, like they've handed that money to you? Do they have any say in where that money gets invested? Or is that- oh, there's always a plan. Yep. And that's why I'm saying it takes six to 12 months. They don't yes. just give me a check. They, yeah. I have to, like we go out for dinner with the client and they really do their own due diligence and they nice. do a deep dive. I've done a lot of the pre-work, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so, and I'm very, very selective of which investor because every investor's got their own kind of flavor of what they want yeah. to do as well. Do you think your ability to make the, com- uh, the, the complex simple comes from you haven't had to go through like the university and all that sort of stuff where they maybe have just taught you a certain way of doing stuff. You've actually learned from the real world mm. and then you've educated yourself yep. and then learned from the real world again. Is that? Yeah. I'd say so. That's why I'm actually teaching at the university yeah. <laughs> in the new year. So I'm wow. actually I'm running an executive course called Raising Capital in New Zealand Yep. because um, again, I've done all these, you know, I've read the books, I've done the papers, I've done accounting papers and it's, it's all theory, right? Yeah. Um, I actually started my MBA um, because I thought, right, I'll get an MBA because, yeah. you know, I don't have a degree. I've always had that imposter syndrome. Yeah. So I'll get an MBA. I got accepted. I started the MBA. Two weeks into the MBA, I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah, And true. I was like, I'm not climbing the corporate ladder. I can exactly see why you'd want it if you want to yeah. climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. But I don't. And yeah. it's like, or otherwise, it can set you up to start a business. But yeah. I've already got, got a one. business. So I was like, why am I spending all this money, money. and time? Because yeah. time is the biggest currency yeah, yeah. away from my family, away from my business. Yeah. To get something that the only reason I'm getting it is because I'm actually feeling insecure about myself. Yeah, yeah, true. So what better than to teach? Yeah. <laughs> so how okay, good. What yeah. a great realization. Because I think a lot of people. Um, do have imposter syndrome, you know, like it's, it's a, even in my business, right? Like I don't, I don't feel it on a daily, but you know, when you start employing people, you know, and, and they all have degrees and some of them have like big degrees, right? Mm. And I'm like, wow. And then, but then, you know, some of them also, you, I know how the real world works and some of them really struggle with the real world as well, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so it's, it's an interesting one. Of, so you decided to can that? Like you just, I did. Yeah. yeah. Canned it. I was just like, nah, sorry. It's a good course. I recommend it. If that's what you want to do, yeah. absolutely go and do it. And the yeah. University of Canterbury has got an excellent course for it. Yeah. Um, but I just realized actually why I'm, it was that classic, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, and it was that actually, I'm just actually 
insecure yeah because i've gone from here to here very quickly yeah um but then it was kind of then when i did that realization well it was me that got me there yeah it's not as if i've been yeah spoon fed or walked into that role i've actually had to go through the trenches and the hard knocks yeah to get there what a what a great realization when you when you start hey actually you know what i'm doing okay here you know probably should back myself because you would have got to him doing the piece of paper and you would have a piece of paper and we're still being pretty much, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, but but not have as much money in your pocket. Um, so when you look at, okay, so what are some of the pitfalls you, you see when businesses, you know, wanting to invest money, you know, we talked about getting the wrong investors and stuff. What are some of the dangers that you, you, you've seen over the years? And then I really want to jump into some of the things that a business can do, are uh, doing well, and then maybe some of the things they could look into 2024. This, is, this, this podcast here, this episode here will come out in, in February, so mm-hmm. it'd be cool to give some business owners some things for, for that. Yeah, so I guess, look, if you've gotten down the... So a business, a business will go to a bank or an investor and they'll have a business plan and mm. forecast, right? Mm. We used to have a saying in the bank, I've never seen a bad forecast. <laughs> It's so true. true eh? yeah. It's true. No yeah. one ever fat forecasts yeah. badly. Yeah, no one's going to say, oh. No, but the reality is they're very, yeah. not very often hit plan, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes they go above it. That's great. I've seen that a couple of times in yeah. my career, but majority of them fall short yeah. because it's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not because business is hard and it doesn't go to plan. Yeah. And you've got to pivot yeah. and you've got to be resilient and you've got to adapt. Yeah. So that's the thing is that, you know, you can write these fancy business plans and I can build you a fancy financial model that's absolutely yeah. fine, but... Really, where you're going to focus then is the fundamentals. And I'll use a quote that my um, father-in-law taught me because he's been self-employed his whole life. It's that a business is a hole with a bucket with a hole in it. Yeah, it's yeah. true because it's like that is the fundamental yeah. things you need. Is yeah, you need clients and you need cash flow. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you can do all the fancy, you know, um, ret- you know, Yahoo and retreats and business yeah. awards, all yeah. that stuff. Great, but. Fundamentally, it's yeah. just like you've got to be able to deal with the stress. Yeah, and I think also, you know, and one thing I've learned over the years, uh, it, it takes more money and more time. Oh, yeah. Always. 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 And, and you can say, oh, no, I'm going to be different this time. Yeah. And you have every plan to be different. Yeah. But more time, more money, because things happen all the time. Things beyond your control start yeah. to happen, you know. And happened to me this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like, um, one of our one of my big strategies this year was to set up our own uh, VC fund. Yep. And so, you know, did all the work, got it all ready to go. And then we got the feedback from the market that there's too many funds in New Zealand and we'll just, we may as well just go with existing funds. Yeah. Okay. And so it was okay. Well, I could walk away from all this work and money that we spent getting it to this point or we can adapt and pivot. And so we did. And so, um, we, I won't go into details. It's no. a bit technical, but now we, we did. We pivoted instead of it being a, like a managed fund that, you know, money goes in and we distribute it as required. We've set it up in a way that you can do these indicate individual syndicated investments, and so yeah, we've done SpaceX this year. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. We, um, we just finished another investment into one of our clients that should settle on Friday. Um, we've done oh goodness, what else have we done? We've done a, private, a small private debt fund, and then we've got a couple of interesting ones set up in the new year for like social housing and stuff. So that same work that yeah, we yeah. paid all that money for and put yeah. all that time and energy yeah. into it. Could have been scrapped because it didn't work. It's yeah. like, well, okay, how do you take the bones of it and yeah. rebuild it? And so that's what I learned this year. I think that's the, the skill, though, of, of, of a kind of entrepreneurial business mindset. Okay, well, hey, we've been told this. That's okay. Well, how do we move that and make, you know, how do we fill that hole, that bucket, you yeah. know, and, and, and plug it? Because obviously something else will come up, but, you you know, you've plugged that and you've moved um, and that's quite exciting, right? Being able to like, uh, what, that's one thing I do love about business. You have this idea, and, and then all of a sudden, um, because you can't do something, another idea comes out, and all of a sudden you're doing a SpaceX. Mm. You know how cool is that? Right? Yeah, that was yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, um, have you got a team that, that you're working with that, that's helping you do this sort of stuff now? Or? No, no, no. So I've, I've done that. I've had teams. Yeah. I've, I've, I've pivoted. I've gone gone wide with uh, different contractors, and then I've just brought it back to myself. No, nice. it was just. Again, looking back at the core fundamentals, and it was just that didn't make sense. And ultimately, you know, as I said, it was like, why didn't I go up the ladder in the bank? Yeah. And not that it's just it's not in my nature to manage people. I just yeah. don't like it. No. Yeah. So, what do you do then to keep your your mind sharp? And you know, you've got a your busy life. You've got a family. Um, you know, kids, wife, etc. What do you do to keep your mind sharp? You know, is there anything that you do on a daily basis, or you're reading, or you're listening? What are you doing? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> 
Um, do you read books? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see myself. I try, well, I try to. Um, three kids. It's a very busy life. Yeah. But I say I say a goal reading ten books this year. Yep. Um, and so I think I've got one more to go, which my, nice. my wife bought me one for my birthday. So I'm going to read that over Christmas. Yep. Um, I think What's your favourite book so far? This year? Yeah. Uh, I really like Dan Carter's one, The Art of Winning. Yeah, that's good. Eh? That was a really good yeah, book. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I read another one. Uh, what was it? The Subtle Art of Not Giving an, giving an F. Oh, yes. That was yes. quite good as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got a few other ones. that uh, There was another one I read as well that was around it, which I had to do when I was doing the NBA, and it was around... Um, design theory and thinking creatively oh nice because I'm not that kind of person yeah, yeah. I don't think like that so that was quite good to put me outside my comfort zone I, I, I really believe um, in uh, I've got a book to read at Christmas time and, and, and it's and my wife's like why are you reading that and I was like well because I, I learned early on you should never just read the easy stuff mm-hmm. you know you shouldn't just read what's in your comfort zone you know Dan Carter right in my comfort zone you know that type yeah. of stuff so it's, a, it's a book that challenges you and gives you ideas but but is it is, is it too much that you're just enjoying that reading? So read stuff that's you know, that's not always just easy for you to read, and, and I think that's a really good thing. So like that creative book would, mm. would have challenged you to read it, and I always remember I've got a great tip: is you when you're reading a book, make sure you complete the chapter, you know, and then put the book down. If you're mm. finding it hard to it's hard to get through, you know, read that chapter and then reward yourself because you can then start at the yeah, at the, and, and that helps me. You get through those books. There's another book as well I read this year called Make Your Bed. Oh, wow. Yeah, very short, it's a short book, but yep. straight to the point. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, nice. Make Your Bed. Yeah, yeah so it's a story of, it's, um, oh, you have to read it, but basically it's a US Navy SEAL. Uh, I think I've heard him yeah, do a yeah. speech. Yeah. And from that speech, my mum. He wrote that book. Oh, yeah. did he? My wife makes my son make his bed every day. Yeah, yeah. Make, and he does. Yep. You don't achieve anything else in the day, you've yeah. achieved one thing. Yeah, made your bed. Yeah. So, so reading, you're reading books, and, and, and obviously that you know from a busy period of time. Like I think imagine. also, like my um, my wife's very good at uh, making me realise that life's not all about work. Nice. And so, like we, you know, like my come the weekend, yeah. there is no work. Nice, it's time with the kids. Awesome. And like I've got young family, so you know, I've yeah. got a nine year old, a six year old, and a four and a half year old. Primo. So you know, life is very, and like we've just bought a um, small lifestyle block, so we've nice. got a, we've got a hectare of land now, so we've yeah. got. A lot of more, it takes me three hours to more the bloody yeah, blocks, you know, which is actually great because I put my headphones on yeah. and I listen to music for three yeah. hours. And, and, uh, and then you've got three lawn mowing kids coming through the ranks as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, my oldest <laughs> is already helping me with that. Um, I do the tricky bits, he does the big bit, and then that's awesome. And it's good. Like last night, I was, you know, me and my two youngest kids were out, and um, unfortunately, we found a dead bird in the trees in its nest, so we we buried it. Yeah, you know, so teaching that's them that's cool. Yeah, so that stuff is yeah very much keeps you. Down to earth and real. I think that's uh, awesome that your wife's realised that too for you because you are quite you are a business guy, right? And you, your tendency to have your brain always on, yeah, probably like mine, right? So you do need that time where you just, hey, you know what, park that. So do you have an office? Do you work at home? How do you manage? I work at home. So yeah, yeah work at home, and then I travel a lot. So, yeah. so um, how do you manage the work at home with? Kids and family. Oh, trust me, the kids don't let you work. Yeah, <laughs> it's as simple as that. So you time it so that you work at home when the yeah. kids are at school or nice. at preschool, and my wife's yeah. at work as well. So you've, yeah. you've got the house yourself, so it's quiet. Yeah. And then, um, and like for example, today my kids are at home because of school, yeah. school holidays. So I'm in town doing my town meetings. Nice. So yeah, you kind of get into you kind of get into that rhythm. Yeah, because yeah, it's an, it's an, when you've got three young children, it's very hard to work from home. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was working at, when I sold a business and I was just doing nothing at home and he started to build this business at home again and my son you know he'd come and knock on the door and he was only like one but it was really yeah. hey yeah and you kind of realise that you know you, you do have to have that separation oh, um, it's, it's yeah like you can, and I think people are a lot easier these days like I was on a Zoom call this last week with China of all places I was speaking to an investment office based out of China yeah. and um my daughter barged in and was sitting on my lap and like face up to the camera. <laughs> and but the person on the other end in China was just laughing. They were like, oh, you know, what a cute daughter. Yeah, so I think the whole, the whole COVID yeah. thing yeah. has really changed that perception of actually, we actually do have lives. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not just about business, right? That's yeah. cool. Hey, so this has been a fascinating conversation. It's gone very, very fast. What are, what are some of the opportunities you see for businesses in, in 2024 um, when it comes to your, your game? So I think there's still a lot happening in the business buy and sell space. Yep. Especially in that, again, 97% of all businesses are in SME business. Yep. You've got a lot of owners that are wanting to exit. Yep. Um, and purely age-driven yeah, exits? Yeah, age-driven. Some of them are tired. Um, yep. 
a lot of them are age driven, some of them health issues. Yep. You know, in fact, I've come across a couple of those this year. Um, so there's a huge opportunity there for either someone wanting to buy an existing business or the majority of people I have is they've already got one and they want to because you've got two ways to grow, right? You yeah. can invest capital to yeah. grow yeah. by marketing and bring yeah. on new clients or you can do it faster by Acquire. buying an existing business. Acquisition. Yeah, so there's a lot of that happening at the moment and the banks have come back into that market. So I've done about four deals this year for the banks that have been funded against the business, no property. Yep. Just wow. Yeah, yeah cash flow-based okay. lending against the balance sheet. Um, I'm very big on not using the family home. Yeah. New Zealand is obsessed with it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great when we're in a you know low interest rate environment with rising asset prices. But yeah. you know if yeah. you're if you're linking your business's success to the equity in your home. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous. Well, you can't grow your enterprise value mm. because you can't get the funding. So no. yeah, it's so that's a big opportunity. Um, and hey, what, just interestingly, why do you think they're coming back into that market now? Like because just allocation of capital, capital. just the world, just uh, you know, like the banks made a ton of money out of yeah. the housing market. Yeah. Because again, low interest rates, yeah. high asset prices, yeah. that are, and people just buying up the storm. And the way that you know the banking sector kind of works is that um, they hold uh, I can't remember exact numbers, but let's let's just high level it. So for every eighty six dollars, mm. eight or eighty six cents, they can lend out a dollar for a house, yeah. for example. So they've got leverage. Yeah. But for business, it's like a dollar five to one dollar. So you're making higher margin yeah, on a lower yeah. risk asset. Yeah. And so then when you've got rising house prices, which means bigger loans, yeah. you've got scale, right? And so that's why you're getting billion dollar profits. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you can lend that same money over here to the business, which is higher risk, and costing you more because yeah. you've got a whole more capital side. So yeah. it's a pure commercial decision. Yeah, yeah. Now the market's kind of changing, changing. And then, you know, and it's important that banks do lend to businesses because, yeah. you know, that 97% I talked about drives 28% of our economy. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. you know, it's actually investors should look at businesses because it's businesses that generate wealth. It's yeah. generous businesses that generate jobs. It's you invest in property. Yeah. Yes, you can get a capital gain because typically, you know, if you invest, it, obviously, depending on the type of property, especially at the moment, your your rental yield is lower than your interest mm. rate. So you're always going to sort of be a little bit backwards there. Yeah. So you're relying on capital gain. But yeah. you invest in a business, that business is directly going back into the economy. Yeah. So so as a business owner, it's an interesting time. Like the tides probably come back to you a bit more as a, as, a, as an option for getting some funding. What, um, you know, obviously people should probably have a good conversation about that first, right? Like mm. and get some really good intel. What, what maybe, what are some of, if we look at, what are some of the five things a business should do when they are, you know, from your experience, when they're looking to, to say they're looking to, you know, do an acquisition. Mm. What, what are some of the things they should, what are five things? For an acquisition? No, just for maybe getting some funding. Like, what if you? Oh, for getting some funding. Yeah. Uh, so look, first of all, um, cash flow pays loans, not profit. Yep. So yeah, profit means cash flow typically. Yep. So you know that's one thing is understanding that side of it. Um, your ducks in a row. You know, yep. like um, you're going to be asked a lot of questions about your business. Yep. So you know, zero and MYOB and all those software programs yep. make it a lot easier these yep. days. Because I'm talking about stuff where, like, you know, who are your top five clients? Yeah. And you go, okay, and what's that percentage to revenue? Because that yeah, becomes yeah. what we call concentration yeah. risk. Yeah. Cool. A lot of businesses go, fuck, I haven't a clue. Yeah. Actually, this is good. Yeah, you go into zero, you can figure it out. Yeah. Because you, I was doing it yesterday for yeah. someone, I exported all their transactions for yeah. the year simple filter if statements blah 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 and it's like cool right they've spent two million bucks with you this year yeah nice you know like this client here it's only you know and so that concentration risk becomes a big thing yeah. because yeah, it makes sense doesn't it if you've got 80 percent out to just one client mm. that client just and it's are you a giver or you a taker you know that whole supply demand market so understanding that business uh what would be the next thing is <coughs> be prepared to go through a rocky road with it because yep. no acquisition will go smoothly because yep. you know you're trying to merge two different businesses together. You're going to have some overlap of staff. You're probably going to have to let some people go or redistribute yep. them into other areas. So you've yep. got to think about that side of it. Yep. Um, engage an accountant to do the thorough DD on the financial yep. side of things, like GST return, like simple things of making sure that the GST returns match what the accounts are saying, for yep. example, and um, making sure there's nothing do going to come you, out of the woodwork. Do you see a little bit of that getting fudged? Like in some some industries, or not on purpose, no. but there is sometimes double counting. So yep. especially when you've got, like, I've seen that yeah. t- two or three times this year where you've got, um, they've got a couple of entities and one sells to the other entity, and so all of a sudden, you know, we had one. They're like, oh, the revenue is, you know, 
12 million actually the revenue was 7 million yeah because this entity was selling to this entity and yeah. so it was double counted but the GST return showed us that because yeah. we, when we added up the GST returns it was 7 million so it made us think that doesn't make sense yeah why is there a discrepancy there yeah 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 and so it was perfectly legal accounting wise yep but it wasn't reality. reality yeah. um, so we had to sort of look at that. And so, and then I guess the final thing would be, you know, if you're buying another business, it's an, it's treated like any other investment, right? So why are you doing it? Like, what's the return here, mm. right? Is it going to generate additional cash flow, or are you building this up to then sell it again? Yeah. So you know, that's kind of, you know, all yeah. start with the exit. Like, yeah. what, what, am I, why am I doing this? Why am I getting this out? Is it because I want to dump straight away a couple hundred thousand into the bottom line? Um, with with little work because it's got the clients that I need and we've got the systems in place that it'll just be straight profit or is this a strategic move that yeah. we can get a bit of their IP that we can use to then grow our business and then okay well how do you get that return on investment then because it's not generating cash flow is then is it going to increase your sales over here or is it going to make it more attractive for your business to then be sold yeah so just thinking that kind of thinking that through that that's kind of yeah. five years ahead of why am yeah. I, why am i doing this you yeah know? well what do i want to get out of this and am i prepared to put the bloody work in yeah yeah and that's an honest conversation right one thing i'd add to to your five year which i thought was they were really good you know you obviously cash flow at the start and would you say cash flow is uh, cash pays loans not profit ca- yeah cash pays loans that's that's a great one yeah um, ducks and row i think you know like just knowing you know just knowing who your top clients are why they're your top clients all that stuff. so when you get those tough questions you can have that prepared and be yeah, prepared yeah. you know uh, engaging you know, the, the right professionals so yeah. it's going to cost you but it's, yeah. it's, it's like insurance you, know, you just need them to work once yeah you know? <laughs> yeah yeah and also, you know, by, you know, why are you buying the business? I think, or why why are you doing what you're doing? Like, mm. really get clear on that and knowing it's worth the work mm. or it's not worth the work. Yeah, you know? that's right. One thing I'd add to it, and it's what you talked about at the start, is make sure you have a story. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, make sure you have a story that you can sell what you're doing. So at the end of the day, if you're going to get money, you're going to have to sell someone on giving you the money. Yeah. Because yeah, people yeah. buy from, from, you know, they're buying from the business and they buy from the person, not the business, right? So That's it. And the, and the difference in, in the type of money. So if you're going for debt, again, it's a cash pays profit. Uh, you know, you're paying back a fixed return, right? Yeah. So they're assessing the risk of you being able to repay it. Yeah. When you're bringing on an investor, investor. they need a financial return from a liquidity event. Mm. And so that liquidity event is a sale or a listing or... Yeah a buyback or some form of mechanism that that investor can get their money out and a good return. Yeah. Depending on the level of risk. You know, like VC, for example, we use a term called internal rate of return. So you might have heard the term 10x. Yeah. VCs want 10 times their money back. You think about that's actually hard to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know? Totally. You know? Um, The later down the business scale it goes, the lower that number has to be. Yeah. Because obviously the perceived risk. Yeah. And you're dealing with bigger checks. But, you know, if you're at this medium, small to medium end and investors are wanting a five to ten times return on their money. Yeah. You go, well, how the hell am I going to do that? What does that, you just do the math and go, well, what would I have to sell the business for? Yeah. And how much time and energy is going to take to make that happen? Yeah. And is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know? Am I going to get enough out of the end as well? Yeah. And, And that's... You know, sometimes you, you to to do all that, you need someone who's an expert to look at what you're doing and giving you an opinion. So this is where I'd say, hey, if you are looking at any of this sort of stuff or you maybe, you know, you see it in your in your future, um, how do people get hold of you and, and contact you? What's LinkedIn. the best way? LinkedIn? <laughs> LinkedIn. So, so I don't have business cards. Yeah. Um, I've got a contact me page on my website. I get maybe one or two hits, maybe one hit a month on that. But overall, the bulk of my contacts come through LinkedIn directly. Outstanding. So here's the thing. If, you, if you've if you watched this, listened to this, and you've started to see even some of the shorts come up in, in, in your news feed, um, start checking Dave out. Start going and, and maybe you know have a conversation with him. But obviously, be respectful of his time. He's a busy, busy man. But um, we'll put all the, obviously, the, the um, details and extra uh, to LinkedIn um, so people can get hold of you. This has been a real fascinating Dave conversation. Dave Armstrong NZ. Yes, Dave Armstrong is here, and we'll have a link to that. This has been a fa- fascinating conversation. I've actually learned a lot myself, um, and it's really cool to see you uh, from from where you were, you know, running the LinkedIn locals, being involved in the bank, now running your own business. I think you've uh, you've made a great move, and you're very passionate about, you know, who you help and, and how you help them. Oh, so, I love it, yeah, because, yeah, again, yeah. You're, you're backing people, right? So, yeah. yeah, it's no different to working in the bank. I'm backing these people. So. Nice. Hey, have you got any, one last thing you want to say before, before we close this off? 
Uh, I'll just remember to take time off. <laughs> I haven't had any time yeah. off this year and I'm absolutely spent because yeah. of it. So yeah. that's my one thing to do next year is make sure it's booked on the calendar and I'm doing it because um, yeah, you don't have annual leave when you're self-employed, but no. God, you need it. Cause, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got to play in your calendar first. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, appreciate your time. Thanks for watching. Hey, once again, this podcast, all you need to do, all I just want you to do is share it, okay? You just need to share it with your business colleagues, um, anyone who, who might be needing a little bit of funding or, or actually understand the world of finance when it comes to business. Just share this podcast. Really appreciate you being here uh, and look forward to helping you grow your business in 2024. Hi, Scholson here again. Hey, thanks for listening to the Marketing for Business podcast. Uh, We really appreciate you taking the time to listen and we hope that you learned a lot from today's episode. Uh, If you could be so kind as to rate and share the podcast with your other business friends and colleagues, that'd be awesome. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes, why don't you head over to our website, www.getdigitalinfluence.com, where we've got a whole bunch of other amazing interviews with business owners. Thanks for your time and have a great day.